From Northern California Public Media, this is Living Downstream, the environmental justice podcast. I'm your host, Steve Mencher. This time, the trailer park activists of the eastern Coachella Valley. You may be familiar with Coachella from hearing about the annual music festival there. But for 10 years, journalist Ruxandra Guidi has been visiting farm workers in the area, learning about the deplorable conditions in which many of them live. There's now some hope that community health workers are making a significant difference in the lives of workers. Here's Ruxandra with the story, and stay tuned afterwards for a conversation with her detailing how she gained the trust of the folks whose lives she's documenting. The first time I stepped inside Lawson Dump was almost a decade ago. The massive dump was 50 feet high, standing at a major intersection in the unincorporated rural community of Thermal, almost 150 miles east of Los Angeles. At the time, it was considered the largest toxic dump in California, and a judge had already ordered it shut and cleaned up. But on this day, smoke rose out of four feet long cracks in the ground, like smoldering lava. Yeah, it's a burning underground. Yeah. And you know that stenches of chemicals. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. It's plastics and cement and... Who knows how deep this fire is? With me was Luis Olmedo, an environmental activist. The stench overwhelmed us, coating our nostrils and throats, and I could almost taste each smell in a toxic mix. Wood ash, incinerated household trash, and otherwise recyclable cans, plastics, and electronic waste. According to the Environmental Protection Agency, Lawson Dump contained dangerous amounts of arsenic, PCBs, asbestos, dioxin, and other toxic materials. Luis and I headed next door to the dump, where a trailer park stood in a sad state, falling apart. That's where we ran into Alex Sanchez. He told us that the owner of the trailer park barely ever showed his face to the residents, but he had to know of the possible risks of living next to a toxic dump. Why do you think I left this mobile park? I come here every now and then to visit my mom, who's old and doesn't want to leave. But I left about a year ago because my daughter developed really bad asthma. Many of the residents of this trailer park are farm workers from northern Mexico who've been coming to the eastern Coachella Valley in search of farm labor since the 1950s. Back then, this was a desert. It still is. But then there were no paved roads or much housing available. That's how the trailer park became standard. It was cheap at about 100 or $200 a month, and you could live close to the fields. The problem is that the trailer parks had little oversight, and before long they became too crowded and unruly. For two years, Luis's friend, Eduardo Guevara, lived here with his family, until he got fed up with the precarious living conditions and realized that no one, not the trailer park manager nor local authorities, seemed to have any interest in fixing up this place. There are many people out here with respiratory problems. Maybe researchers can't link it directly to the dumps, but it's a big coincidence for a community that's been living next to a burning open-air dump for years, don't you think? Ten years ago, the eastern Coachella Valley was full of these kinds of coincidences. 
Many of the mobile parks were considered illegal, but they were still allowed to exist and house increasing numbers of people. When I first visited this place, it struck me to see so many people living right next to the pesticide-laden fields or illegal dumps. Big polluters, like the Western Environmental Hazardous Waste Recycling Plant, operate without much scrutiny, emitting fumes that sicken dozens of children and adults at a nearby school. Little by little, I began to see the community's problems as my own. When we heard reports of people getting sick, that's when I said, that's it. The Western Environmental Plant has been operating for seven years, and we have no idea what it has done to our health. After loss and dump became too big, authorities ordered it closed. The same thing happened with the trailer park next to it. Eventually, all the residents moved elsewhere, including Guevara. The experience motivated him to become a promotor, a community health worker, someone who is part community organizer, part self-taught nurse. Promotores get some basic training and then go door-to-door, talking to low-income Latino farm workers who suffer disproportionately from health issues, giving them advice or connecting them to resources in the community. That was a decade ago. Today, the environmental and health justice movement is in full force here, as Guevara's fellow promotora, Bea González Iñiguez points out. She's a school administrator in the area. You'd be surprised if you take a person aside how much they know. But they don't, they're just afraid to, to say anything about it. And that's the reason why we're always taken advantage of out in this area. But that's, that's really changing more and more. People are really educating themselves. And I don't think they're afraid anymore, as they used to be. González Iñiguez says that a growing number of young people who've grown up in these trailer parks are heading on to college, not just to become promotores, but doctors as well. Researchers have known for some time now that income inequality, like the one found in the eastern Coachella Valley, has everything to do with the fact that migrant populations typically face extreme levels of environmental hazards. Ryan Sinclair is one of those researchers an assistant professor at Loma Linda University School of Public Health, located about an hour away. That's one of the things I'd like to do, to look at the health disparities and look at the health conditions out there in terms of biological indicators. Look at things in their blood. Do they have arsenic in their blood? Do they have mercury? You know, and what is it at a higher percentage of the rest of the, than the rest of the population? So... And so, you know, once you start working out there on one problem, it's really hard to ignore the other problems. Loma Linda University is one of a few academic institutions studying the health impacts in the eastern Coachella Valley. It's challenging research, given that residents in this area already suffer from high levels of asthma, diabetes, and skin conditions. So Sinclair is starting with the basics. He wants to study the conditions in the trailer parks where thousands of people live. Early on a recent morning, we drove out there together. We could see the farm workers dotting the fields, with temperatures reaching 100 degrees. Grapevines, citrus trees, and day palms dominated the landscape alongside seemingly endless fields of corn, lettuce, green beans, eggplant, peppers, and salad greens. 
According to the Riverside County Agricultural Commissioner's Office, agribusiness in this area brought in $625 million in 2014. The industry is powered by thousands of migrant farm workers who make less than minimum wage. It's estimated that one out of every 10 of those workers is undocumented, but probably many more are. When they go for work in the fields, this is how the work day goes. They go 4.30 a.m., they stand on a corner, some guy in a truck comes, picks up a bunch of people. They have to pick the grapes, and they're given absolutely like no instruction or anything or protective equipment, and then they drop them off and pay them, and that's it. Their work is dangerous and many of these men and women are afraid of immigration enforcement as well. There have been no major workplace raids in the past year, though people here always talk about the possibility of deportation. We drove east, past the gated communities and irrigated golf courses of Palm Springs and the site of the Coachella Music Festival. We ended up at Rancho Garcia, one of the trailer parks where an estimated 70 farm-working families live. Unlike the old ramshackle mobile park by the dump, Rancho Garcia had some streets paved and a few trees. But people here still didn't have proper plumbing. Instead, they built makeshift cesspools going down eight feet into the ground that often overflowed. And when that happens, this becomes a major health hazard for the residents, their neighbors, and the underground water that ends up in the nearby irrigation systems and beyond. Jaime and Maria Beltran take us to see the cesspool they've rigged up next to their home. Pipes came out from an opening on the floor and snaked around the back of their trailer. Beltran says, I spray it with fresh water every day and then take the extra sewage out with a pump. I can't afford to let the cesspool fill up. There are five of us living here. The sewage that Beltran pumps out from under their trailer ends up in the agricultural field next door. What else are we supposed to do, they tell us. They're right. What can these families do? They get no municipal services here. After visiting the Beltrans, Sinclair and I head over to another nearby trailer park called Sunbird. He takes some more samples from the makeshift septic tank and talks to a promotora to give her some pointers for how to improve their system. There are an estimated 125 illegal mobile home parks like Rancho Garcia and Sunbird in the eastern Coachella Valley. They're illegal because they fail to follow county housing rules. They're typically overcrowded, often lacking safe drinking water, electricity, proper sanitation, and green spaces. But promotoras are making headway here, helping researchers like Sinclair, the California Institute for Rural Studies, or the University of California. Armed with survey questions and resources for local families, they're helping create an ongoing assessment of local quality of life issues for farm workers here. From air quality, electrical infrastructure, to waste disposal and water management. Sinclair and I go inside one of the trailer homes, where one of his PhD students who grew up in a trailer park near here is taking samples of the water and air conditions inside. All of it will end up back in the lab, where it'll be analyzed and eventually released in the form of a report. 
But the residents often get frustrated with the process, or at least they're skeptical of these surveys. They want answers and solutions now. I followed up with Sinclair weeks later by phone. You know, we're not done yet. And so it's frustrating for them. Understandably frustrating because, you know, what's going to come out of the survey? Well, you know, I I always always sympathize with uh, people that are saying, oh, there's so many surveyors that are coming in and they're not doing anything. For many years, county and state agencies ignored the plight of these residents. Mobile home parks had little oversight, and the county didn't or couldn't come up with the money to address the myriad problems here. Sanitation and clean water issues were left to the residents themselves, and nearby polluters were left to pollute without facing consequences. But as they say here, real change takes time. It requires taking small, baby steps but also coming up with simple solutions that can be scaled up. One of those solutions can be found in the San Antonio del Desierto trailer park. It's been around for more than three decades, but about 10 years ago, the place was falling apart. Here's Roberto Mendez, a longtime resident. Back in the day, we really struggled here. The water came out black out of the faucet. Our well was falling apart. There was no plumbing. The infrastructure was very, very bad. That was 10 years ago. Today, San Antonio del Desierto is under new management, a local nonprofit called Pueblo Unido that is trying to create a model for a healthier, more sustainable mobile park community. By seeking out government and foundation grants, and by working with the residents, the trailer park has installed a reverse osmosis water filtration system designed to lower arsenic levels in drinking water, and a new sewer lift station with a capacity to handle 4,600 gallons of wastewater per day. The dirt road leading into the trailer park is now paved. Here's Mendes again, who's also Pueblo Unido's handyman. We came together and started our committee La Unión Hace la Fuerza back in October of 2007, and I've been involved ever since. Little by little, we've given shape to all the improvements in this trailer park. Thank God, because we're a pretty big community that needs change. There are around 350 people living at San Antonio del Desierto. Not all of them are thrilled to be here and some would like change to happen at a faster rate. But most can barely afford the $200 or $300 a month that they already pay, like Guadalupe Rosales. We would work in the fields and come back home all dirty, covered in pesticides and other chemicals. But then, when we got home, there was no water to shower. We had to wait two, three hours like that. I'd tell my husband, let's get out of here. What are we doing? And he'd say, well, how are we going to pull that off? We make so little money. Low wages in the fields have left their mark in this region. They are the reason why a majority of farm workers endure substandard living conditions in mobile home parks, or why, at the height of harvesting season, these trailer parks become so crowded there simply isn't enough housing available in the eastern Coachella Valley to support many field workers. Mendez used to pick grapes. 
but then he found work in construction, and he's stayed here since. The trailer parks are here to stay, too, he says, because they're an ideal way to live cheaply and in a tight-knit community in this part of rural California. What's important is making them safe and sustainable, even if not all the residents agree about the best ways to go about it. It's normal It's normal that we don't all share the same vision or like the same things, but I've always felt that if we come together as a group and think of what's better for the majority of people, then we're going to achieve things. I always try to talk to people about this. Talking to neighbors is one of the main things that promotores do. And so this is what Mendez keeps focusing on. Chatting with other residents, telling them about the improvements to their trailer park, and tried to get them involved. Little by little, he reminds them, the eastern Coachella Valley is becoming a better place to live, starting with their own trailer home. That's Roxandra Guidi, reporting for Living Downstream from Thermal, California. I recently spoke with her about how she got the story. You've reported from communities throughout North, South, and Central America. What, what drew you to this particular community that we're hearing this story from? You know, I have to be honest that first, the you know, I heard about the Eastern Coachella Valley because there had been plans to truck and then later send by rail a lot of Los Angeles excess waste, the stuff that wasn't fitting in the landfills anymore, to the Eastern Coachella Valley. That's how I first heard about this region. And then I, the more I looked into it, I realized this is a major agricultural region in Southern California. And the, as far as the big cities go, they just see it as a dumping ground. That's what initially, you know, I heard about. I started realizing that it wasn't just the trash, but there had been all sorts of other environmental injustice issues um, worth exploring and knowing about. Now, one of the things I'm curious about is how you introduce yourself to a community and get people to trust you. Was that hard in this case? Yes, it's always a little hard. I think um, the more I've done it, the more I realize that there's nothing like actually gaining someone's trust and not just you getting to know them, but them getting to know you that makes for good reporting and for being able to go deeper than the average journalist. So, you know, I've been going out to this region now for about 10 years. I can say just about now is when I have better access and people are able to trust me and tell me stories that I wouldn't be hearing about elsewhere. So it's taken me a long time. Right, your piece ends on sort of a hopeful note in, the, in that there are these community health workers that are making a difference. Was it hard to find something hopeful in this very sort of dark and, and desperate situation in some ways? I think a lot of it has to do with, with that trust we're talking about and getting to know people on a more deeply level. But it's also seeing stories through time, right? I think the fact that I kept going back, the fact that I kept in touch with people, the fact that I was able to see that nothing has like a definite beginning, middle and end the way we present it on on these stories on media. Things are complicated and they evolve and there's there's good solutions that emerge throughout. Um, 
I've also, you know, made an effort in these last few years to really try to look at issues differently. I think in journalism, we're conditioned to report on what's wrong, on what's broken. And while there's enough evidence and examples of that, I think I see my role more now as someone who can try to elevate things that are working, get them out into the world and see if they can somehow be scaled up or be inspiring to others. I, I, I feel like I'm trying to make up for a lot of reporting in the past that is just really focusing on on a lot of communities so sort of as victims, you know, as as helpless. And that's that's often not the case. All right. Roxandra Guidi, thanks so much for your story and, and thanks for taking us a little bit behind the scenes today. Thank you. Ruxandra Guidi reported and produced this episode of Living Downstream, the trailer park activists of eastern Coachella Valley. Thanks to Anthony Garcia for mastering the show. The Living Downstream theme music was written by David Shulman. I'm your host and senior producer, Steve Mencher. Darren Lachelle is the executive producer, and the president and CEO of Northern California Public Media is Nancy Dobbs. Subscribe to Living Downstream wherever you get your podcasts. Visit our website at norcalpublicmedia.org living. And if you see environmental injustice in your community, write to us at living at norcalpublicmedia.org. Living Downstream thanks our sponsors who make this podcast possible. A list is available at norcalpublicmedia.org.